Hello everyone and welcome to the Link Podcast with me, Elle. Remember all you English learners, you can study this podcast episode as a lesson on Link. I will always pop the lesson link in the description. Using Link, you can work through the transcript, translating words and phrases that you don't know to add to your own personal database. And remember to like, share, follow, subscribe, whatever showing love means on the platform that you are listening on. This week, I am joined by another wonderful guest. Misha Wilmers is a language learner, blogger, and link user. Welcome, Misha. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very, very much for having me on. And whereabouts are you joining us from on this fine Monday? <laughs> So I'm in Manchester at the moment, uh, Manchester in, in the UK. Excellent. In the kind of north, I guess, yeah, north, you'd call Manchester north, right? Northern England? Northwest, yeah, northwest. 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 <laughs> okay. And how's life in Manchester these days? It's good. I'm At the moment, I'm on a staycation kind of thing, nice. not going abroad this year. Mm -hmm. So I never thought I'd say that about going on holiday to Manchester. <laughs> I actually work in Leeds, which is about an hour away from here. Okay. But... Um, yeah, um, generally things are good. The weather is, for Manchester standards, um, reasonably good. good. So not too bad. <laughs> Excellent. That's a great word, actually, staycation. <laughs> Vacationing at home. I think a lot of people around the world will be doing that this summer. So, yeah. Hopefully, Absolutely, yeah. Hopefully the weather stays nice for you. Uh, so, Misha, as I mentioned, you are a language learner and a blogger. You run a blog called I'mLearningMandarin.com. So, as we can guess, you are currently studying Mandarin Chinese. So, what? Uh, first off, what made you decide to land on Mandarin? Why? Why Mandarin Chinese? So, I guess the initial reason was basically that I had moved to a new city. So I moved from Manchester, where I'm from, about five years ago, to Leeds. And when I first moved to Leeds, I was looking for things to do. Um, I was looking to meet new people, didn't know anyone in the new city. And so I saw that the university that I was working for, um, they were advertising cheap Mandarin classes at the Confucius Institute that operates on campus. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to just take advantage of them. I had a basic interest in languages from before, because um, I grew up bilingual, I'm half Spanish, so I grew, grew up bilingual in English and Spanish. Okay. And at school I'd also do French, but I always felt like, um, I always really enjoyed doing French, but I felt like without doing much work, I had a kind of natural advantage over other people just from knowing Spanish with the similarities between French right. and Spanish. Mm -hmm. So when I was thinking about activities to take up in the new city I'd moved to, language learning seemed like an obvious choice given my previous interest. But I wanted to like, set a new kind of challenge to see whether I could cope with a language as different as Mandarin uh, rather than something like another Romance language like French or Italian or something like that. Right. And how did you find those classes and how many, was it like a course of classes or you just went to the odd one and then you were off on your own studying? So initially um, it was a course of, a beginner course of eight classes mm -hmm. and that kind of got me going, that kind of kept me inspired. Um, I really enjoyed that that course it was one and a half hour classes in the evenings after work once a week um so really not enough to re to learn very much chinese at all but enough to inspire me to want to keep going basically i then complete i completed a couple of other courses after that um which was similar but um slightly higher level each one but um 
all of them quite basic stuff again. Mm-hmm. So I completed about three or four courses overall. And then um, after that, I've just been m- mainly self-studying right. using LinkQ and other tools like that. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah, self-study, what does that involve for you then? What, uh, what kind of methods, what kind of, I guess let's talk about methods first and then maybe talk mm-hmm. about Link a little bit. Yeah, I mean, with, when it comes to methods, like I split my kind of Chinese learning experience into two parts because I've been learning for about four years now. And um, the first two years, my methods were, basically I didn't have any methods because I was trying to figure out like, how how do you learn Chinese? Mm. I had absolutely no idea how to learn a language like Chinese. As I say, like completely different challenge to learning something like French when you know Spanish. Um, so I kind of spent a lot of that two years trying to figure out different, download any apps I could, figure out different ways. Things like Duolingo are, the, are like the first obvious things that you come across. They have the best mm-hmm. like marketing. Obviously, they have the most money to spend. <laughs> so um, I came. So so basically, the first two years, I had no idea what I was doing. I would like go to my classes leave my classes and then try and get some um, language exchange partners and there's quite a lot of Chinese people on campus so there was no shortage of people to speak to so I just leave my class and try and practice with Chinese people but after two years I kind of felt like I need to try something different this isn't really working and that's when I came across um, Steve Kaufman's YouTube videos Um, and he was talking about because he has one on learning Chinese and in it he discussed how um, the m- most important things for him were kind of listening and reading. And that was the first time that like, I came across what seems like quite an obvious point, but I didn't realize at the time, which was that input is the most important thing when learning language. So all the, all the kind of stuff I've been doing at the beginner stage of like trying to use basic words and phrases I'd learned in class and practice them over and over again with uh, language exchange partners, but not really have any idea what they were saying back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Kaufman's videos kind of helped me to see that like there was maybe another approach and since my previous approach wasn't really working I felt um I thought might as well give this a go and um so from then um I used a lot of uh, graded readers um at the beginning because and I I blog about this as well because particularly in Chinese at the beginning the characters are, are a huge barrier to being able to read even at a very basic level so I found something that was really useful there. I hadn't quite, I hadn't discovered the um, mini stories on Link, which mm. if I went back now, I'm, I might do. Yeah. But um, in the beginning stage, before I started using Link, I, my main input was from graded readers. So there's okay. Mandarin Companion graded readers I found really useful. Um, and yeah, so they're basically just short books, short stories. They're not like high literature or anything like that, but they're entertaining enough. Uh, they're more entertaining than like your average textbook kind of thing. So right. I started doing a lot of reading and then listening to the um, to the CD of the audio, the audio of the, of the books as well. Okay. So so mainly like um, my methods since then have been just embracing this mass immersion approach, mass mass input approach, but without obviously without being in the country. So um, mm. so from from the UK. Excellent, excellent. And so how. So you said the graded readers, you, you, when you first discovered Steve and then Link, you were in, into the graded readers. Were you, was that 
tough? I mean, were you studying the characters, I guess, as you read? Were you were you reading the same story multiple times? What, uh, what was Yeah, it? so, I mean, by the time I got to... By the time I started reading Graded Readers, I'd maybe memorized, committed to memory, about 500 uh, characters wow. through okay. using flashcards, right. uh, using Pleco and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and... That helped. So I was already able to read a bit, like, but I'd just been reading short dialogues in textbooks. Mm -hmm. So then when I first started reading graded readers, they're, they're graded at different levels. So the first level, the beginner level is like um, set at like maybe 500 words or 500 characters. Mm -hmm. So um, so I started reading them about two years ago. And when I first started, yeah, they were like really challenging for me. Yeah. I was reading above my level, I think, at the beginning. Maybe I was reading like... I start with the 500 characters one, but they, they're not necessarily the characters that, you, that you've committed to memory, so there'll be lots of unknown characters. So it was a bit of a slog, mm -hmm. but I just found it's like, because I'd never read a whole book before, when I finished my first kind of graded reader book, it was just like a sense of achievement. And also you're exposed to all the grammar patterns over and over again. So it was my first sense of like, after kind of reading a few of them, I started to get a real sense of like the... The real benefits of mass immersion compared to what I was previously doing. Right, kind of got the ball rolling. What uh, what did you move on to after graded readers? What kind of content? So after graded readers, then that's pretty much when I discovered and started using Linkumore. Mm. So I I mentioned I discovered Steve Kaufman's videos, but I didn't in, immediately make the transition to Link U. That was a bit later. Right. Um, so after graded readers, I. Decide, I got to a point where that a lot of people get to with graded readers where you've read like the highest level of graded readers which is maybe like set at 1,500 characters or something like that but that's not quite enough to um, read newspapers or novels so there's a there's kind of a, a small gap there a bit of a gap that you have to bridge somehow so I wanted to make a concerted effort to start tackling native content and that's where I discovered Link U and and the rest is history, as they say. I mean, the, since then, Linku has basically been my main tool for learning. I import lots of stuff into it and that kind of thing. Initially, I was working a lot on native dialogues. Um, okay. So there's um, Wolf and Hua Hua. I don't know if anyone's heard of that um, on Linku. There's a really good podcast, which is two Chinese friends discussing it at natural, more or less natural speed. I think they're designing it for learners, but it's it's um, they're using like everyday Chinese um, and it's it's kind of they because it's like a transcript of daily conversation a lot of the words and phrases they're using are very common um, so that's kind of the first kind of more or less native content that I started tackling and then from there I started moving on to radio transcripts of SBS um, SBS Zhongwen which is um, the Australia's like Mandarin channel which has like uh, short broadcasts on lots of different topics and radio phone-ins where Chinese people living in Australia phone in to chat about everything good that's going on in terms of politics and other things. Okay. So, so yeah, basically from there, um, so that that's what I was doing at first with Link U, and then after that, I started doing more novels and um, and things like that, which I'm which I'm still doing now. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And to go back to something you said about newspapers, there, so you said. 1,500 characters isn't enough to read like a irregular um, newspaper article in Mandarin. Is that right? 
Yeah, I'd say that's right. I mean, the thing is, there's there's different people put different figures on the number of characters that you need in order to be literate in terms of reading a newspaper, and there's no set number. Um, but I think to be comfortable, I would probably put it above one thousand five hundred. I don't know what I put it at specifically, but maybe more like two thousand to three thousand. Um, at three thousand, probably you start feeling fairly comfortable there'd still be mm -hmm. characters that come up in the news that you don't know but um but yeah i'd say i'd put it around more like that but I, certainly after the graded readers um which was set at something like one between 1000 1500 i still found reading the news very very challenging so how many <laughs> there's so many characters how many characters would you do you think you have committed to memory at this point and four years in right yeah, um, it's very difficult to say, actually, yeah. but I recently did, um, there's a, a website you can go on, which is, I forget the, the name of the website, but it, it asks you a series of, it's like a, you take a quiz and it basically tells you the vocabulary level that you're at, okay. um, but it doesn't tell you like specifically how many characters, in terms of vocabulary level, it put me at 11,000 words, Link you puts me at 15,000, but I think that's inflated, uh, mm. Steve, Steve has talked about how it gets yeah. inflated for various reasons for Chinese, but um, eleven thousand probably for words. In, in terms of characters, maybe three thousand, but that's just a guess. How about <laughs> um, how about writing? Are you into the writing out of characters or not your thing? So initially, I was, um, and when I first started out, I did spend quite a lot of time writing them out by hand. Eventually, I had to make a choice because I have a full-time job, I have other commitments. So it's kind of a um, a choice about what you're going to commit your time to. And I just didn't have enough time. If I wanted to commit all the time that I have to reading and listening, like using LinQ and other tools, then um, I, I just didn't have enough time to basically, on top of that, like write them out by hand. So I got to about, I think, 500 which I've probably forgotten a lot of by now. But I found that without writing them out by hand, you can still quite, I wouldn't say, I don't want to say easily, but there's, there's no problem committing them to memory in terms of visual memory. So you don't need to learn to write them out by hand in order to recognize them visually. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I got, um, I got to about 500 eventually, but then I decided to just focus purely on listening and reading. And I think at some point in the future, I may go back, particularly because I'm told if I want to pass a proficiency test in the future, uh, which is not a priority for me, but it may be something I want to do in the future, mm -hmm. um, that the new system they're talking about, which hasn't been confirmed yet, but the new system may involve a writing by hand component. Whereas at the moment, they allow you to take the proficiency test by writing Chinese using a computer. But in the future, maybe they may make you write it out by hand, but so I so anyway I may I may go back to it in future. Okay, that's interesting that they would add it add it sorry into the test as opposed to it being there and them taking it away with our modern world. But okay, that's yeah, it's challenge. strange because they they um, initial. I mean, there's always been a writing component, right? But what they'd done in the past few years is they'd introduced at some test centers, HSK test centers, they started allowing people to um, take the test using a computer. And as you say, that makes perfect sense because the, I mean, that's how everyone writes nowadays. Uh, if you can communicate using a computer, then there's really no problem in terms of 
communicating. But I think um, the new system hasn't been confirmed, but if they do end up bringing back the writing component, I suspect it's because there's um, a case to be made about preserving the the art of writing by hand and that kind of thing okay. and preserving yeah. the tradition of that. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. it's such, the characters are so beautiful and I know you're not writing them out like a calligrapher would, but um, it's an <laughs> art for sure. I can see that. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so what does, uh, and I know day, days are different, you know, some days you work, weekends, maybe you don't, but what does a day of, uh, Mandarin study look like for you? Yeah, it's interesting because I don't really see it as study anymore ah, because yeah. because it's kind of transitioned to a phase where um, a lot of things that I would previously have done in terms of leisure in English, now I do in Chinese. So, for example, I spend um, most of the stuff I... If I'm reading for pleasure, like in terms of novels, um, I do that in Chinese now instead so that's kind of study time so a typical if i were to like set out like a, a day uh just for studying chinese it would probably involve spending some time reading my novel and then um listening to uh, for listening like um watching youtube there's a lot of like youtube channels that i follow um like talking about politics um there's some cartoons that i quite like because they're slightly easier so <laughs> Um, nice so like, I mean, I say easier, but <laughs> they're still, I mean, um, yeah, so like uh, there's a cartoon called Xiao uh, Wanzi and it's um, about uh, a girl going about her daily life. It's actually dubbed from Japanese, but that's sort of what I use for like easier stuff <laughs> is like cartoons like that. And then for harder stuff, like things like sitcoms and channels where people talk about politics and stuff, a lot of stuff on YouTube, basically. So I'll do that. And then um, one thing that in the past few months I've started doing a lot more of, particularly during the lockdown and then coming out of lockdown, was because I couldn't meet up with Chinese friends, doing a lot more Zoom calls and that kind of thing. Mm. So I usually, most days actually, I'll spend some time, half an hour or an hour even, calling, uh, doing like a, a call with a Chinese friend and doing conversation exchange. Excellent. I like that. It doesn't feel like study anymore. What at what point do you remember when it f started to feel that way? When it was less of like you said, some things were a slog. Of course, the beginner period in any language is a slog. Do you remember? Yeah, when you were mm. like, huh, I'm replacing, you know, English or Spanish or whatever TV time, book time with Chinese, and it's like it's entertainment now. <laughs> yeah, I think that I don't know if it was a single moment. I think it happened quite gradually, and it was mm. quite um, a slog to get there. Yes. I mean the. The um, first lockdown a year ago, um, I basically started like stepping up quite a lot. So previous mm -hmm. to that, because um, I like, as I say, I was working, I still am working full time. But with, with when there wasn't lockdown, there was less time in the day. So previous to that, I was maybe doing Chinese for like half an hour a day. And then when lockdown happened, I started taking it more seriously. So then... I started like spending several hours a day um, and then gradually through doing that I think I started to get more of a sense of like that I could I could do this for enjoyment and, and purely pleasure at the beginning during that lockdown like I still felt it was a slog I was trying to grapple with 
native materials on LinQ that were above my level that I still found very challenging both to read and to listen to. Yeah. And actually, like, um, something I blogged about as well, but, like, because I was spending so much time and because sometimes I was using materials which didn't interest me that much, I did feel sort of after about three or four months when the first lockdown ended, I think in, like, June last year, um, I started feeling a bit burned out and I took a, I, I took quite a bit of time off Chinese at that point. And I think I actually took, like, probably three months the whole summer off Chinese I just couldn't couldn't face looking at any um, Chinese at that time. Right. Um, when I got back to it, I think maybe that's kind of a moment worth talking about because although I'd been away from, from it for three to four months, I think within a week of getting back to it, I felt like I was at my previous level or slightly better than my previous level. So the three months off hadn't done me any harm at all. And um, I started to feel from then, because I had some distance... Um, when you're actually like working really hard, I think a lot of the time you can't really see the progress that you're making, but because I had that distance of a couple of months coming back to it, then I started to feel this is slightly easier. I'm starting to get more pleasure. I'm starting to like reading like novels and stuff like that. Isn't so much of a slog anymore. Excellent. So there's hope for anyone (laughs) listening who is maybe in that situation Misha mentioned before, you can get to the point where it's, it's, more fun and less of a slog for sure <laughs> um absolutely yeah i mean because when you're in that moment like sometimes i think for, particularly if you're a first-time language learner as a, mm. i i consider myself a first-time language learner because i don't really count learning right. french at school or being bilingual in spanish mm. and english so being a first-time language learner i think if you um i think that like it's something that you can lose sight of like it's you know, because you, you see people out there, polyglots like Steve and others that have done it. So, you know, it's possible to do, but you don't you haven't yet internalized that because you've never done it. So it's it's it very it's a very difficult thing to kind of internalize that it's possible to do when you're in that moment and you don't feel you're making any progress. Yeah, for sure. And you think, too, OK, well, yeah, that person's done it, but they they have some special talent or skill that I clearly don't have. <laughs> it's so easy to convince yourself of that. But, uh, Absolutely. Yes, it's not true. And I think on that point, like, because that's definitely something that I think I, I have thought in the past, well, mm. they must just be talented, that kind of thing, because you see the end product of them speaking fluently. Um, I think the main talent is the ability to spend several hours, like, on end, like the way Steve describes spending eight hours when he learned Chinese in his 20s, spending eight hours a day concentrated like just doing Chinese and like from a beginner level, <laughs> I think there's talent involved in, <laughs> in that level of concentration. And, mm-hmm. um, I personally like haven't reached that level. <laughs> Maybe in future I'll be able to, but like, uh, like, um, yeah, I, I'm, if I can get like, um, a few hours in or a couple of hours, then that's a very good, a good day for me. Yeah. yeah such discipline, right? You just have to be absolutely so consistent. Yeah, yeah for sure. Has there been anything that's uh, surprised you on your on your Mandarin learning journey so far? Um, I think lots of things have surprised me. I think one, I think the, they've mostly been positive surprises because, I mean, the initial surprise of learning Mandarin, I would say, was slightly negative because I went into it very naively. And so I had no idea what learning Mandarin involved. 
so the initial surprise was oh this is actually like quite hard this is like not <laughs> this this is the amount of work that this is going to require is like an order of magnitude above anything that I've done before if I want mm. to become like properly fluent in Mandarin so I as a completely naive language learner that was my initial surprise once you get over that surprise once I got over that surprise the 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 surprises after that were all positive in the sense that after that initial surprise you start to wonder is this possible am I ever going to be able to do this is learning characters possible particularly characters I would say um and then the surprise is that no if you if you stick at it do it every day um space repetition flashcards they will stick and particularly because one of my concerns was you hear a lot about some people are visual learners some people are um audio learners or whatever and um in my case i'm definitely not a visual learner in, in my opinion i don't know if there's any if that's meaningful or not like whether these categories are meaningful or not but i've um never considered myself to be a visual learner or to like have a visual memory or anything like that so i was concerned maybe that that would be an impediment to learning characters and yeah the surprising thing the positive surprise was that no if you stick at it do it every day it doesn't matter whether you're a visual learner or not like you will they will stick you'll be able to pick up characters so so that was positive excellent um so what does the future hold and as you say four years in and you have your website i'm learning mandarin.com is the next year or two just mandarin focused do you are you hoping to move on to another language So I think for the time being I'm definitely quite committed to Mandarin because although I've reached a level which for me personally is fairly gratifying I'm able to have like long conversations about lots of different topics with my friends and that kind of thing. Um there are still things that I want to achieve in Mandarin personally that I haven't yet achieved and particularly in terms of listening fluency and just general fluency as well being able to express myself. I don't want to get to an, a native level. I'm not so interested in that like some people are but um I do want to get to a slightly higher level of fluency than I am at the moment um and just general improvement across across the board in terms of listening and 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 reading as well um because for example in reading with characters um I know enough that like reading novels on Linkue is generally very comfortable but if they're pa- if they're on paper it's mm. a lot more difficult because you need to look up every word in a dictionary and right. um although I may recognize 95% that 5% is still very difficult to cope with on paper so not so much on linkue so there are still those areas that I really want to improve at and in terms of uh blogging and that kind of thing definitely want to continue blogging um my insights about my experience and I I'm interested in maybe getting more into YouTube this kind of stuff which I've never done before this is my first time um and maybe start like joining the ranks of the kind of youtube exhibitionists who like speak different languages online right, yeah. which is another thing um i wouldn't mind trying in the future but so there's a few things i'm interested in but generally just um continuing improving my chinese and learning and blogging about the learning experience excellent sounds good i just want to apologize if anyone here banging my adorable and very lively nephews are right above me just kind of stomping so i don't know if that's going to carry through but maybe <laughs> the joys of working from home um that also is excellent i was going to say to you actually yeah you should start a youtube channel definitely i mean that's where everyone's at and you i think it'd be great so and you know people love 
you know, in your learning a language, you love to see, like you said, that it, it can be done, you know, someone's progress mm. week by week or every other week whenever you post. So, um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, <laughs> those YouTube channels have really helped me and mm. particularly people like Steve Kaufman. There's also Luke Truman, mm -hmm. um, yeah, people like that, right. like you watch their videos and you, you can, if you're a beginner, particularly, you can see what's possible, yeah. um, that they really can speak Chinese fluently, that um, they've done it in adulthood. So why can't you? Yeah. And, and often like very insightful. So, so yeah, I'm open to contributing to that kind of thing in the future. Perfect. Well, best of luck. We'll be following along. I'll pop the uh, link to your website, imlearningmandarin.com. I'll also uh, pop the link to the blog post that you wrote for the link blog about learning Chinese on link, which is excellent. And yeah, any other uh, content that you mentioned um, too for anyone listening, watching will also be in the description. So uh, Misha, thank you so much. That was a really great chat and I wish you all Best of luck with your blogging and maybe YouTubing in the future. Perfect. Thank you for having me on. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye now.